It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Quickly to Wall. Wall measures. Deal. Gets open for three. Hey, welcome to Dash Radio's Locked On Wizards show on the Nothing But Net station. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm your host, Noah Getzel. And we're joined by an awesome guest. I've actually never had anyone on Truth About It before. So we've got Troy Halliburton tonight um, to talk about the major news, GM Ernie Grunfeld. I guess it's not necessarily news because he still has his job, but he received a one-year extension. Uh, we're going to talk about why it's been under wraps so long, why on, in the world he, he got this after you know all of his faux pas and 14, 15 years. He's been tenured way too long with the Wizards without... Any championships, any 50-win seasons, just one division title. And finally, we're going to talk about the similarities between this Wizards season and then the 2015-2016 year where the Wizards barely missed the playoffs and kind of struck out in free agency that summer. So they won 40. They were 41-41 and 41 that year. Uh, this year they finished, what was it, 43-39. and uh, 39. So now we welcome in our guest, Troy What's going on, dude? Thanks for joining us. And tell us a little bit about yourself. How long have you been working with Truth About It? Yeah, thanks so much, Noah. Uh, yeah, so I've been uh, writing for Truth About It. This is uh, my third season uh, covering the Wizards, writing for Truth About It. And um, I, I kind of got into it. I went to uh, high school with Kyle Bidai, the, uh, mm. the founder of the site. He's uh, you know, a few years ahead of me at Gonzaga High School in D.C. And... Mm. You know, trying to trying to just come in. Uh, I think Truth About It was uh, probably one of the first wave of you know basketball blogs to kind of step up on the scene uh, in like two thousand eight, two thousand nine. And I think there's been a lot of coverage, you know, surrounding you know that Wizards team and you know the Gilbert Arenas and you know those years where Gilbert had his own blog. And that, that was was he blogging was first, up. or did you guys start it up first? You know. Um, I think that Truth About It was around before Gilbert started his oh, blog. Okay. And, uh, so I actually got some insight on the Gilbert blog. Um, I did like a little interview with uh, Dave McMenamin mm -hmm. uh, from ESPN at the beginning wow. of the season. And when Dave was, uh, he was at NBA.com, he was actually the ghostwriter for Gilbert Arenas' blog. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, cool. I know. I learned that tidbit of information myself just recently. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Truth About It is, you know, the... Uh, as, as somebody put it recently, you know, first generation basketball blogging, and you know, we're just just trying to take over for the for the next wave and, and covering DC sports. 
And you live in the Bloomingdale neighborhood, do you see? I used to live right over there. I'm in Petworth yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, right there at 1st and V, uh, in, uh, right oh, near Rhode Island Avenue. Bloomies, Bloomy, that's, uh, that's, my, that, that's my neighborhood, so. <laughs> that's cool, yeah. I was at, uh, between 1st and 2nd and New Street, so, you know, just, like, a block okay. away. So no, you were, we were literally neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So, what was your reaction when you found out, um, of course, our, our good friend, Candace Buckner, uh, beat writer for the Washington Post, she's the one who broke the story today here on Thursday, uh, that not only was Gurney Grunfeld given an extension, but this happened way back in November. So what was what was going through your mind? I am frustrated, but not surprised. Um, I'm definitely not surprised. Um, frustrated um, is probably the best word I would use to describe uh, the news, or the official news that uh, Grunfeld had got another extension. But I think this is a tact that uh, the Wizards as an organization have used in years past. I mean, Ernie has, uh, since the 2014 season, I think this is his uh, second secret extension that mm-hmm. he's gotten without, you know, them notifying the media, which is it's kind of perplexing because, you know, it kind of goes against, uh, you know, the, the kind of uh, the operation of what other NBA teams do. Like, you know, if, if, a, if a GM gets an extension, they usually have a press release and a press conference and, you know, a Q&A and being able to, you know, ask the, the, the GM questions and about the, you know, the state, basically the state of the franchise. And, you know, that's something that I think that the, the Wizards as an organization has kind of uh, neglected. And I don't know, I think it really, the, the kind of secrecy behind it leaves the fan base only asking questions. And as far as what the Wizards are doing, I think that they are doing it in secrecy because, I mean, let's be honest, Ted knows how the fan base feels about uh, Ernie as a GM. I mean, right. literally every time Ted Leonsis tweets anything, he could be tweeting about a charity event. The first tweet underneath <laughs> is going to be somebody say, fire Ernie. Yeah. So, I mean, he knows the voice of the uh, of, of the fan base and how they feel about uh, Ernie Grunfeld as the general manager. So the fact that he's doing this in secret, like, it, it's, I think that it's very obvious that he's doing it in secrecy on purpose. Because, you know, he, he doesn't want to have to deal with the, you know, kind of fallback from the fan base. And, you know, among the current NBA executives, only Pat Riley for the Heat, R.C. Uh, Bufford for the Spurs, and then Danny Ainge with the Celtics, who obviously have a boatload of young talent and look like they're never going to be a bad team. Those, all, all of those guys have championships. They've, they're the only ones who have been around as long as Grunfeld. You know, Grunfeld in his 15 seasons, he made it to the postseason eight times. They've never gone past the second round. Uh, what was it? Four times with the, the current squad. And then was it three or four? I can't remember. With with the Renus, I think that was three times. Yeah, I'm not three sure times the with last the Renus. Actually, no, I think it was yeah, three times. 06 through 09. So squad. 05, 06. Yeah, okay. I mean, when you look at this, this stat, I think tells it all. And those. 15 seasons, you know, teams obviously have down years and up years, but his overall winning percentage is 442, which is hovering at, you know, like the spot that'll get you just out of playoff contention, Um, and it ranks 23rd out of 30 NBA teams. I've got to check who's below, but it's it's not a good look, and it's it's pretty surprising to me. I mean, of course, we can both mention we're not surprised because it's just the way that things have gone for the Wizards throughout, you know, I'm 27 years old and I've been a, a fan throughout his tenure, but it just seems like the Wizards are a franchise stuck in the mud. And you look at some of the teams that have rebuilt 
successfully uh like the warriors and the celtics over and over and it's it's just like the wizards i don't really know what long-term plan they discussed with john wall that made him want to sign his multi-year extension aside from hey you're getting a ton of money and nobody else can offer you this money (laughs) essentially because i i don't really know what the wizards are doing they have no cap space and it's all because of bad contracts that ernie is the mastermind behind so given the financial situation the wizards are in it seems pretty dire, right? Like, there's there's no real reason after this year, unless you want to completely blame John Wall's injury, that he would be able to get another year. And he was, he get, got, granted, he got this contract back in November. So people thought, you know, the Wizards would be, I don't know, like a top four seed and make a run. But obviously that didn't happen. Uh, it's, it's just, it's really frustrating to the fan base first and foremost, because they, they have high expectations. They don't want to stay a middle-of-the-pack team that inches into the playoffs but can't do anything. So it, it just looks like, you mentioned this right before we got started, do you feel like Ted is too concerned about the bottom line and raising ticket prices? And I think he mentioned like TV ratings in his press release uh, reviewing the season. Do you feel like he has a vested interest in championships? Or from his actions, does is this kind of a a resounding no, you know, let's let's keep with the status quo and see what happens. Yeah, well, I think that uh, it's very obvious that he doesn't have a vested interest in winning championships because the Wizards as an organization haven't really done the things that championship contending teams do. You know, championship contending teams don't sell draft picks. They buy draft picks. Mm-hmm. You know, championship contending, contending teams, you know, uh, try to use every uh, mechanism given by the NBA to try to develop young talent in order to build up the back end of your roster. So that would include having a, a functional uh, D or G League team now. That would include um, using up all of your roster spaces. Uh, they, the Wizards went the whole season with, with their 15th roster spot uh, unused up until they signed Ramon Sessions uh, right before uh, or right after the trade deadline. Right. And then um, the, the newest mechanism that the NBA has given teams in order to uh, develop young talent was the two-way contract. Mm-hmm. And the Wizards were the only team in the NBA this year to Three not points. use both of their two-way contract uh, spots. So I think that with, with that information given, like that, those are the things that championship-level teams do in order like in order to win a championship you have to be you know almost picture perfect in you know every aspect of running your organization and ted has you know he he's kind of led the people astray because he says in his press releases that you know he wants to win a championship but you know the actions really aren't backing you know that sentiment Mm -hmm. up i think yeah he's just saying it because that's what the fans want to hear exactly that's what the fans want to hear and then that Back to Ernie Grunfeld, I mean, I think we have to look at, we have to start back with Ernie's, uh, you know, original tenure. So he was hired in 2003. He was hired under a Poland. And mm-hmm. so he, he had a, a personal and business relationship with a Poland. And then, you know, uh, uh, God bless his soul. Once he passed away, um, uh, Ted Leonsis took over. And, you know, he, you know, as a businessman, he, he decided, you know, I'm not going to shake anything up. I'm just going to roll with what we have. And he he kept Ernie. I guess Ernie, whatever it is that Ernie told him in that in that initial meeting, he, he has convinced him that he's the best man for the job. And you know Ted has probably not let go of that sentiment since then. So you know once once Ernie got the job, uh, you know he I'm, I'm not going to lie that the Gilbert Arenas situation and bringing guns in the locker room that you know that set the Wizards franchise back a right. couple of years. 
And to to Ernie's credit, I will say this: he he has draft he drafted well three out of those uh, first fourteen four years. years essentially yeah. three out of four. I mean, well, three, <laughs> three out of the fourteen years, maybe four. Yeah, Ubre's a good pick those too. First, good. Those initial years after uh, the Gilbert Arenas incident, right. you know, they got Wall in two thousand ten, Bill in two thousand twelve, and Otto Porter in two thousand thirteen. Now, granted, when you look at NBA draft statistics. You know, when you have a top three pick, the percentage chances of you hitting on those picks is is, is astronomically high. Not astronomically right. high, but if you're sub- you're doing your job by doing that. So yeah, I mean, there are a few Anthony Bennett's and Kwame Browns and Michael Wakandis, but you know, I mean, generally when you get one of those you know, picks, there's a chance that you can uh, blow those picks. So, like I said, to his credit, he managed those picks well. But, I mean, as far as, you know, his track record as a Wizards uh, GM, you know, that it probably stops right there. The only other positive moves I can think of, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk later about the worst move that Ernie has ever made, but I guess, you know, bringing in uh, Gortat and bringing in Markeith. Gortat now, looking back at it, his contract is very hefty, given how old he was going to be and still making $13 million a year or whatever. But Markeith Morris, even though he's inconsistent, we got him for a bargain aside from the draft pick because I think we only gave up uh, Chris Humphreys and Dewan Blair and one, right. a first-round pick. So those are maybe like you know some moves that, that you can't argue with at the time aside from maybe selling the future a little bit. But I'll, I'll, I'll bring it up now. What do you think is the worst move that Ernie Grunfeld has ever made that you know left the, the worst taste in your mouth? Well, I mean, we have to we have to look at the Jan Mahimi contract because we're still dealing with the, the ramifications of that contract. Yeah, I think that the the thing about the contract that is so flawed to me is not the fact that they gave the money to Mahimi; is the fact that they already had a center on board, and that it's not very forward thinking as a as a general manager because of the fact that you could see where the NBA is going. I mean, you that that was pretty much the the 2016. That was the height. Uh, you know the, the the Golden State reign, the the you know the three and D, the small ball analytics mm-hmm. movement, and instead of you know him, you know kind of trying to go with that movement, he's kind of antiquated with his thinking, and I think that that is a is a major problem with the Wizards as an organization, that with them not being as forward thinking as you know some of the the better organizations in the NBA right now. To me. I, I think it was the Randy Foy and Mike Miller trade uh, back in 2009. 2009, yeah. That, they, that was a rough number one. Five pick. And, uh, yeah, they could have they could have had a lot of different players with that number five pick in 2009. And to give it up for Randy Foy and Mike Miller, especially when, you know, you already had, you know, uh, a young core and you were in a rebuilding mode. There was no need, there was no need to... Uh, you know, go for trying to win at the moment, knowing that you didn't have the surrounding pieces around them. Randy Foy and Mike Miller are, you know, they're good veterans in the NBA, but they're they're role players. You know, they need to be around other superstars in order for them to be as effective as they possibly can be. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, I agree with you. That 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 trade right there was something. And also the 2011 draft pick though with uh, Jan Vesely, uh, oh, yeah, number six. Yeah, that. <laughs> You know, I, you start looking at the guys they could have taken, Clay Thompson and Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard, Leonard Draymond Green. You know, guys like that, like that. I mean, that that's kind of inexcusable. By the to way, take, uh, Jan Vesely, who you know he, he couldn't shoot, 
you know, they drafted him knowing that he was a project. Thinking and, he'd be more you know, athletic than all the players who, who, you know, went through the college system in the U.S. It's just, you know, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> exactly. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And then, so, you know, I think that that, that I, would, I would probably have to go with that 2011 as, as one of uh, Ernie's uh, biggest blemishes. But, I mean, mm-hmm. the, the Mahimi contract, I don't know. Like I said, it's, it's probably a little bit of recency bias because of the fact that, you know, Mahimi is still on the roster. And, you know, we're looking at why can't the Wizards add anybody this summer. It's because, well, you know, they got basically $16 of dead money on the books going to a center who played, you know, less than 10 minutes per game in the postseason. And then when you look at the 2009 draft and some of the players that the Wizards let slip by, obviously it was the number five pick. So, or yeah, sorry, Steph, Steph Curry, Curry Ricky draft. Rubio, Mark Rosen went behind uh, that five pick. Patrick Beverly even <laughs> would have been better. Yeah, I mean, they, a lot they, of guys. They could have had a, a number of players. Any any player that you know that, that, that you could name after that would have been you know a better yeah. contributor than Jan Vesely at the time. That's true. <laughs> I, I mean, that was. But the Wizards didn't. The Wizards had two picks that year, if I uh, recall. Wasn't Chris Chris Singleton was picked uh, in that draft? Uh, 18 or 19 by the Wizards. So oh. basically, they, they blew two picks in that one draft. <laughs> Singleton, yeah, he was with Vesley. Actually, you're right. He was 18 and then Shelvin Mack. Yeah. The Wizards got Shelvin Mack, too. Yeah. I mean, when, you, so when I read off some of these names of the guys that the Wizards drafted since 2000, I don't know if he took over in 2003 or let's start with 04. Devin Harris was solid. John Peter Ramos, 32 pick, did nothing. Andre Block, huge disappointment. Alexei Petrov and Vladimir Veremiko, <laughs> Verim- yeah, so, yeah, 2006. Guy, I don't even think the most staunch Wizards fan will be able to pick yeah. out of a lineup. <laughs> Nick Young had his moments, but he was a bonehead. Dominic McGuire never did much. Next year, JaVale also had his moments, but also <laughs> shacked in a fool just every single game. Uh, <laughs> Bill Walker, I don't know who he is. Jermaine Taylor in 2009. Oh, here's a good pick, 2010, John Wall, and then Laser Haywood, and I feel like I know this guy, Nemaja Belinka. He's on the Wolves now, right? Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe it's someone else. I don't know. And, and then, then uh, Trevor Trevor Booker was was Trevor Booker in the 2010 draft. That was a decent. That must have been a trade because I don't see the Wizards taking him. But yeah, that he he's contributed well. Um, the only good draft all around I see is 2012, which involved where you got Brad and Toma. Yeah, so that was a good yeah, one. Sadoransky, Sadoransky, you know, he didn't end up coming over for three years. But, you know, that's, that's uh, you know, kind of the new norm uh, in the NBA right yeah. now, the, the draft and stash players. I think one of the big things is that Ernie just sees a draft pick as a way to get rid of players who he doesn't like on the roster and doesn't necessarily think forward enough into, you know, what would happen. So, like, we look at 2014, trading the second-round pick Jordan Clarkson for cash considerations. Nobody really expected a guy who's getting drafted 46 to have an impact, but it's just, you know, you need to give your team a chance to grow organically, right? And right, no, I that hasn't happened. <laughs> And I think that when you look at that, when you trade away draft picks for cash considerations, and it goes back to my original point with, you know, what is the objective of, you know, this uh, Ted Leonsis and Ernie Grunfeld era of the Wizards? You know, is it to build the best team as possible? Or, you know, is Ted looking out for the bottom line there? Because, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure that, you know, uh, Ted is telling him, hey, if you can pick up an extra, you know, $700,000, you know, that helps him out for his bottom line. And, you know, they, they can trade away uh, that second-round draft pick. And, 
and not develop players like Jordan Clarkson. You know, and, and, and uh, Clarkson's not a world beater by any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, he could have developed and, you know, could have been a player who could have been supplementing some of these wall and field lineups uh, throughout their tenure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have one more question for you before we end this thing, Troy. So do you feel any similarities this past season with all the ups and downs and disappointment and, you know, some of the veteran guys who they brought in and didn't really have as much of a contribution as you would have expected, like Jody Meeks and maybe Jason Smith, who actually came in the year before. Uh, But does it seem similar to the 2015-2016 year, right after Paul Pierce left the team and the Wizards were kind of knocking on the doorstep of that Eastern Conference Finals berth, but John Wall broke his wrist and the Wizards lost to the Hawks? Do you feel like it's a similar situation in terms of the way that, I mean, clearly different free agency periods because uh, Jan Mahimni was the gold medal of the free agency the summer before that season, and then they had to take care of business with Otto Porter and not letting him walk and go to the Nets and, of course, locking John Wall up uh, and making some small other pieces. The only guy that John Wall said was a good pickup this offseason, in so many words, was Mike Scott. And, of course, he performed well. He might not be affordable, most likely, to the Wizards anymore. But do you see any parallels, or is it kind of just... You know, this is a disappointing season. We didn't really have enough money to make a, a good move. Or is it, you know, an entirely different beast because Beal's more developed, Porter's more developed now? No, I do see similarities, though. The similar the similarities that I see with those two seasons in question are the fact that the Wizards came into both respective seasons, you know, kind of, uh, I don't know, they, they assumed that they were much better than they mm-hmm. actually were in both of those instances. Right. So in that 2015-2016 season, like you said, they were coming off of, you know, the playoff run against the Atlanta Hawks, where, you know, every Wizards fan has literally sold themselves on the fact that if John Wall hadn't gotten injured, you know, they would have been in the conference finals that year. And I, I somewhat agree with that because, you know, with when John Wall played in that series, they, they, you know, they dominated the Hawks that year. But I think that they came into the next season thinking that they were better than what they were. And I think that one of the biggest problems with uh, this uh, current iteration of the Wizards is the fact that, you know, they tend to talk a lot of trash and not be able to back it up. Mm-hmm. So I think that one of the one of their weaknesses has been, you know, they 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 don't tend to, you know, kind of play up to the level that they think they are. So, you know, coming into that season, they thought that, you know, they were going to be you know, world beaters, they were, you know, right there on the doorstep of reaching the conference finals. And then, you know, after they lost Paul Pierce, they didn't really have the leader on the roster that they needed in order to compete at that level. Right. And then Wall and Bill were still, Bill was hurt a lot that year. He's still going through those those stress reactions in his lower leg. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think that, that that's behind him because, you know, he's he's finally fully grown into his, his grown man body now. So I think that that's daddy body, him. right? Yeah, Dad exactly. Extreme. <laughs> but I think I think that the Wizards, honestly, they they assume too much of themselves. So with both of those seasons. So in this season, they came in, you know, they're talking trash before the season. All the Cavs, you know, they ducked to play them and, mm-hmm. you know, they had the better team than the Celtics. But. You know, they lost in seven because, you know, they didn't have a bench. And, you know, they're they're ta- they're saying a lot of things. And, and John Wall's calling out Lonzo Ball at the beginning of the season. That was marching Gortat. That was Gortat. Let's get the record straight. That was Gortat saying that Wall or, was going to torture him. Gortat said that <laughs> John Wall was going to destroy him. Yeah. But you have to realize, I mean, that 
Gortat's not saying this stuff out of nowhere. They're probably having internal discussions about, you know, what he's going to do. But either way, the what what is known is that trash talk has been coming out of the Wizards camp. And, you know, to this point, they haven't been able to back it up. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think that, point. you know, there are a lot of similarities in those seasons. You know, I, I remember Jared Dudley from that year, him being the veteran presence there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that he was kind of a stabilizing presence, but he didn't really have the talent level to kind of, uh, you know, back up, you know, or or for them to respect him as much as they respected Paul Pierce. Yeah. So and I think that the Wizards have been searching for that, you know, that kind of vocal leader or just a steadying force in order to, you know, kind of lead John and Brad in the right direction so they can grow to be the leaders that they need to be. If you were to make any suggestions to Ernie Grunfeld over this offseason, would you want to trade one of the key pieces, like trading Otto Porter, one of the max money guys, or do you feel like there are ways to, you know, astutely package uh, Jan Mahimni or Martin Gortat with a draft pick in a way that benefits the team right now uh, and still kind of builds for a future at the same time? Like, what, what would be your idea because you mentioned that a veteran would be nice but at the same time like you had given away way too many draft picks and it would you know the the best asset the wizards have right now is their number 15 draft pick exactly uh the direction that i would take uh if i were running the wizards franchise i would probably try to trade gortat and not even to get back an asset i would try to just literally try to trade him to get his money off of the books mm-hmm. um i would i would definitely hold on to the number 15 pick uh, I would scout my ass off and make sure that, you know, that pick is a player that you can, you know, develop into uh, a, an NBA player. I would move Jan Mahimi into the starting lineup and, you know, just, you know, just kind of wait it out with his contract and see what it is that you have. Right. And as far as trading away a member of, of, the, of the quote unquote big three, you know, I, I would not trade Wall of Bill. I think that there's still you know, uh, room for them to grow as players and that they can be the foundation of a, you know, Eastern Conference contending team. Now, Otto Porter is a, is a different situation. Um, I would be amenable to trading Otto Porter, but I wouldn't just trade him to be getting rid of him. I would be using Otto Porter as leverage to try to trade up and see if they could get, you know, a superstar player. So, you know, if uh, Kawhi Leonard seems, you know, as disgruntled as everyone thinks that he is in San Antonio, you know, dangling Otto Porter out there might be something that the Spurs are interested in. You know, I think that Otto Porter, the way that he plays basketball would be, you know, a perfect San Antonio Spur. And I would be willing to give up Porter if we were to bring back a caliber player like like a Kawhi Leonard. Or maybe they could do a sign and trade and do and get Paul George. Or even uh, DeMarcus Cousins, if they're able to trade away Gortat, you bring in Cousins and, and have him be the starting center. But if if they can't do that, um, if they can't trade, if they can't use Auto Porter to trade up, I would just, you know, make minor moves around the uh, around the fringes of the roster. You know, try to trade away Gortat, try to, you know, get as many good uh, players in on the mid-level exception, see if you can, you know, try to convince uh, Mike Scott to you know, take a hometown discount with yeah. him being from the, the Virginia area. <laughs> and 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 then, uh, you know, try to get uh, Wall and Bill to come back with a new focus next year and have the and see if their improved leadership skills can, you know, kind of lead this team to a, a better record. 
I wish that Porter would be enough for to lure a guy like uh, Kawhi Leonard, who's probably unhappy, but I feel like teams like Boston who could offer Jalen Brown or an extra pick or things like that might they might have the leg up on the Wizards. We'll see right, how it right. shakes out. I mean, we're, we're assuming that Boston would want to trade away Brown or Tatum. You know, they, they might be looking at their young players and deciding that they, you know, want to stand pat. Yeah. But I think I think that, uh, and then also those players are on their rookie contracts, of course. so it would make it much more difficult for Boston to be able to make a trade of that nature. Uh, with Otto Porter having already signed his max extension, yeah, you know the the money would match up a little bit better. But like I said, this is this is all very much assumptions uh, going off of what they can or cannot do. But I think that you know I think that a lot of uh, the fan base is you know kind of. Uh, they, they kind of want the team to have this major overhaul and, you know, get a fire sale and getting rid of everybody. And I don't think that that is really possible or necessarily mm-hmm. the answer. I think that, you know, they, uh, what, what Wall said in his exit review, uh, getting an athletic bid. I think that, right. oh, that could, you know, something, and it, and it doesn't even have to be, you know, a top tier, you know, uh, athletic bid. Maybe you could. You know, if, like I said, some miracle, you can find some team out there that will take Gortat's contract. Maybe you can go out and sign a, uh, a Dwayne Dedman type of player yeah. who can come in and, you know, just be more athletic. Give the Wizards um, the, the – I think that there are two dimensions that the Wizards are missing as a team right now with their big men. Number one is they need somebody who can play above the rim. Like, there's a whole dimension of the court that the Wizards are kind of missing out on because – Really, nobody on the Wizards team plays above the rim. And then on the defensive end, I think that, you know, the way that the NBA is now set up with the, you know, the, with the pick and rolls, uh, most of these teams, these sets that they're running, you know, they're going to, you know, attack matchups where they can get the switches of a big man onto one of their guards. And as we saw, our big men are not capable of defending that right now. So if we can just get somebody who can come in and, you know, competently defend uh, the pick and roll as a big man out on the perimeter, you know that that would work wonders as far as you know helping the Wizards out with their defensive coverages and um, you know giving them a real opportunity to compete with you know these other forward-thinking teams like uh, Philadelphia or Toronto or Boston. Yeah, and when you mention the Wizards' lack of big men, uh, ring protection obviously obviously is is a huge need for the Wizards as uh, John Wall was the leader in that category 1.1 blocks a game, Martin Quartat was next 0.7 so yeah, a, a rim protector and someone who can score off the bench um, the Wizards have toyed around with a bunch of different point guards, I think that Ty Lawson would be a good player to keep around if I'm sure they can keep him for cheap because he only played 6 games this whole season in the NBA so, right. Troy, it's been a pleasure, thanks so much for kind of debriefing everyone on the situation that the Wizards are in where they re-signed months and months ago Ernie Grunfeld to a one-year extension without telling anybody. Uh, can you tell everyone where they can find you on, on Twitter? Or- yeah, so uh, my uh, Twitter handle is Troy Halliburton that's T-R-O-Y-H-A-L-I-B-U-R and uh, you can find most of my writing on truthabout.net. I do some uh, freelancing for numberfire.com uh, I've been doing some uh, some writing for WSA Nine Sports uh, mm-hmm. as of recently. So yeah, I mean, you can, I put up links to to all of my work on on my Twitter feed. So anybody who wants to uh, you know read some depressing Wizards mm-hmm. takes over the summer, they can uh, they can go there and, and find all the takes that you need. 
No, it was really good stuff. I, I read your playoff coverage. It's definitely truthaboutit.net uh, is a, a great place to find lots of talented writers and, and good news. And it's been around since you said 08, so that's really good. It's got some history. Uh, and if you want to check out, um, you know, subscribe to the Locked On Wizards podcast, I definitely recommend that. You can do so on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, uh, SoundCloud, Audio Cloud. Yeah, SoundCloud. My bad. I'm losing my titles, but. Uh, and also hit us up on Twitter at Locked On Wizards. Um, I'm Noah underscore Getzel, G O E T Z E L. And finally, follow Wizards Extra as well. Uh, we do in game coverage for all the home games. Uh, lots of videos posted. We got some exit interview videos. So lots of good stuff coming throughout the summer um, with all the, the draft and summer league and free agency stuff that we've got going on. Troy, I appreciate it. Have a great night and thanks a ton for joining. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on, though. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.